We are starting something. We're back on the Northland Sports page. We are starting hour number two very late. My apologies for that, but a lot of good conversations. In hour number one, going to have another great one here in hour number two. Preview the biggest weekend in basically Duluth's calendar year every year. Grandma's Marathon is next Saturday. Of course, the William A. Irvin 5K will be Friday. The Youngsters, the Whippersnapper races, I think is at least what they used to be called. Those will be Friday as well. The executive director of Grandma's, Shane Bauer, will be right around the corner. We can't talk to anybody, though, as it's Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook, without our great sponsors. Yes, the original Arola Architecture Studio, Hoops Brewing, OAR Holdings, Justin May at Messina Associate. We just had a really great conversation with Justin. Kraus Heating and Cooling, your carrier dealer here in our region, the carrier HVAC authorized dealer up here. Advantage Element Screen Printing, Sammy's Pizza, the Blackwoods Group, including London Road, Proctor, Two Harbors, Blackwater, and Tavern on the Hill, Avenue 45, the Mont Royal Bottle Shop, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, Famous Dave's, Kohler Toyota, and Kohler Hyundai. And again, our newest sponsor making their debut this weekend, Comfort Systems. Sign up for a service appointment online with Comfort Systems at ComfortSystemsDuluth.com. Simply mention when you make that appointment that you heard it on the Northland Sports page, you will receive $20 off the scheduled appointment. So again, that's through Comfort Systems at ComfortSystemsDuluth.com. We welcome them to our sponsorship family. Speaking of comfort, somebody that I'm very comfortable conversing with, and I only get to catch up with them usually once a year in a public format, is Shane Bauer, the executive director of Grandma's Marathon. He is graciously back again this weekend. Maybe the uh, proverbial calm before the storm. Shane, one week to go, a little bit less, because obviously it kicks off before the big race on Saturday. But how are the current state of things? And, of course, good morning. Good morning, guys. Everything's great. I've been uh, going to a lot of meetings lately, I guess you could say. <laughs> but I've been going to these meetings this year with the perspective of, like, I trying to envision, like, I don't know anything about the event. Because, um, you know, Greg, our race director, will run some of the meetings, Zach on the media side, and um, Olivia on the volunteer side. So I'll, I'll just I'll sit in the back of the room and just kind of pretend I don't know anything. And I'll tell you what, these these folks, the staff really has it dialed in. I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive, actually, when you kind of put yourself um, in that seat and try to view it from that perspective. They come across as very organized, and it's, it's like they've got everything tied up already, so... Uh, I've been enjoying that. I'm excited uh, to be one week away here. I think all of Duluth is very excited. Again, it kicks off race-wise on Friday with the kids' races and, of course, the William A. Irvin 5K. Now, I joked earlier in the show that I used to do that, and you knew that. I ran that race. I used ran very, very loosely, but I walked to that race five consecutive years, and I joke that since I haven't done it, and this show is basically the reason why, because I'm in no physical condition Saturday morning after a Friday race to do really anything, I don't do it anymore, but the staff probably appreciates that because the night's a little bit shorter. But you're not missing me, per se, because this is the largest 5K yet this year, correct? Yeah, but that's not true at all. We've been <laughs> talking about you and wondering when you're going to be back, not only at the you know William May Irvin, but at the Fickers 5K. I haven't seen you there in uh, more than a few years. So, yeah, your name has come up. We're like, when's Brian going to uh, get back out here? I'm going to so, have to eventually but, accept the challenge, but others have. How many are we looking at in the Irvin 5K this time around? It's over 2,700 in that event now. And part of that is, you know, the shift to Bayfront, being able to spread people out more. And that really affects the whole weekend. Um, you know, the full marathon and the half marathon especially are both uh, pretty robust this year because we're confident we can um, handle it. You know, a lot of times the years past the restriction is, of course, being surrounded by water in the finish area. You can only pack so many people towards this finish line. And now that um, they're not 
sticking around in the same area in that lot. They're spreading out and making their way over to Bayfront. It really has freed up a lot of flow, I guess you could say, uh, logistically for us. So, But same thing with the 5K. Now that it finishes at Bayfront, um, not only do they finish there and get more room, to uh, relax after their event, we also give them a free drink ticket now, and we got the band um, Arch, I- Arch Allies is the band. This year, probably the biggest name of the weekend. Uh, really, if you're from the cities area, I guess they're pretty popular. Um, so it's it's kind of a whole new format, and it can accommodate more people. So that's great. Yeah, Arch Allies is terrific. I've seen them a couple times in Duluth, and you're starting to entice me to rejoin the 5K between <laughs> drink tickets for finishing and, and getting to see <laughs> yeah. bands like that. You might uh, have me in faster than you think, but Let's talk a little bit about the bands then, since you segued nicely, because for us non-marathoners, and again, I know I have 5K history, but I can't think of a term that describes me better than a non-marathoner, but there's plenty to do, and Duluth comes out in droves, and the music is one of the biggest reasons. Yeah, and even on Friday night, if you don't run, you're welcome to come down. It's free and open to the public. Um, Beer tent will be open. Um, Blackwoods has a food tent that'll be available, and... um, the, the band starts at, uh, I believe it's 6.30, so right as the runners start coming in, and they, they'll play for two hours. But um, the next day, uh, we got some traditions involved this year, uh, one being Rockabilly Review. Uh, you know, Donnie and his um, band have been opening up the day for, gosh, I don't know, quite, quite a few years now in a row, probably getting close to a decade, if I'm not mistaken. And they'll play for like three hours to start the morning. Uh, then we got Rafe Carlson, a local kid who will be on stage this year. Uh, first time for him. And Laura Velvet's back. Yeah. They've, uh, been a part of it before. Um, Buck Wild is back. They were actually on the main stage last year. GB Layton, one of the longest traditions, he's back this year. He's in the Grandma's Marathon Hall of Fame. And then Rhino is headlining, and they've done really well for us in the past as a headliner. You know, these are, a lot of them are just cover bands. People just, we found want to hear what songs they know and from bands that can kind of rock it. And all of these are um, proven by experience, all the bands we have down there this year. No doubt. That's a dynamite lineup. Laura Velvet, in fact, has performed in conjunction with our show. We were live at Hoops a couple of years back, and I've become good friends with a lot of the members of Laura Velvet. They do a terrific job, but that whole lineup really is out of sight from a music perspective for Duluth. When you talk Duluth and you talk running, as we're doing with Grandma's Marathon Executive Director Shane Bauer, I'm a Duluth East grad, but even if I wasn't, Duluth and running, Kara Goucher, of course, Kara Wheeler back then, just kind of comes out of everybody's mouth. And she's going to be a big part of it this year. She's here for the summer now. I talked to her earlier this week. I've already seen, you know, public ads about you get a chance to meet her. She's going to be part of the broadcast. She's obviously won a race in conjunction with grandmas before. How big is it to have her just be part of the event? Oh, it's huge. You know, it's just, it's the perfect fit. And uh, we're super grateful that she agreed to uh, be a part of it, you know, as long as she saw him. And there's a lot more to it than that. I know UMD is um, the cross cut, the track teams up there. The coaches are putting on a camp uh, this week. I believe it's on Thursday morning. I right. think her son's going to be involved in that. And she's going to make an appearance there. I don't know if that's sold out or not, but she'll be signing her books at the expo. I know that's going to be pretty crazy. She's going to be on the um, Dick Beardsley and Carrie Tolleson show, and I'm guessing that's going to be standing room only. So, But really, to have her on the broadcast, if you've never seen her do um, the broadcast for other marathons, I mean, she does such a great job. It's uh, We've always kind of had an all-star lineup for our coverage, as you know, being the radio broadcast sponsor, um, and this just adds to it. It's, it's just 
probably one of the premier marathon broadcasts in the country at this point. No question. You've stepped up your game quite a bit going to Kara because years ago, Shane, this was before you and I even met, I was in radio and asked to do some analysis for the marathon, and I loved it. I had a blast. But to get my insight on running, something seems a little bit wrong with that. To go to Kara, that makes a lot of sense. Now, Grandma's Marathon in general, that has been one of the most sustainable events for Duluth's economy over the years. But a different type of sustainable, as in sustainability, is a focus this year as well. Talk about that. Yeah, we have uh, an initiative here that's been going on for a few years and that we've really ramped that up this year as well in looking to be accredited by the Council for Responsible Sport. And they're pretty much the leader in our industry for sports and sports venues and how to uh, approach it from a sustainability perspective. So everyone talks about the economic impact. Of course, that's great to have $21 million brought on the community in one weekend. But I've always said the mental wellness impact on people and on health in this region is a big part of it. That ties into the sustainability initiative, of course, as long along with all the environmental initiatives that go along with it. We have solar panels on our roof now, so we're adding to the grid. We've got all these things we're trying to do throughout the entire event that either reuse or recycle rather than, you know, uh, just use up resources that get that end up in the landfill on Sunday. So we'll get points based on all these different things we're doing, and we're pretty sure we're already at maybe a gold status uh, with their accreditation system based on their point system. But uh, we're shooting for the Evergreen, which is the top, you know, high, highest sustainable events of our kind in the country. So when we talk about marathons, obviously being a Duluth guy, Grandma's is first for me. Boston is right behind it in terms of attention that I pay to it. People joke with me, well, those are the two cities you pay the most attention to, too, Duluth and Boston. But the other time that marathon pushes to front of mind for me is the Olympics. And Olympic trials are in conjunction with Grandma's this year, too, right? You got qualifiers in the mix? Yeah, well, Grandma's Marathon, the race course, has become widely known as one of the best for the elite athletes to qualify for the Olympic trials, which is next February. So anytime that trials marathon approaches, um, you see our elite athlete numbers and the caliber of that field go up. So this event will be at pretty much an all-time high with the um, caliber of athletes coming in because they're all trying to qualify for that. So it's pretty much uh, Grandma's Marathon, Houston, and uh, California International out in Sacramento have become kind of the, with their timing throughout the year and the flat sort of rolling fast race courses, um, kind of like I would say the big three now to qualify for the trials. So going to see a lot of fast fast uh, athletes out there this year. Nothing wrong with that at all. Once again, we're talking to Grandma's Marathon Executive Director Shane Bauer. Shane, the opening segment of the show today, we talked about in conjunction with the marathon, the old adage is it's not how you start, it's how you finish. But at the same time, we talked about, you know, getting off to a great start doesn't always hurt either. And a lot of Grandma's is very adult in terms of participants, in terms of the party, et cetera. But getting off to a great start, everything starts with the kid races. Talk about how much fun that is for everybody involved. Yeah, it should be a blast. Um, You know, the forecast looks good for pretty much all this. I'm just hoping that air quality index holds. You know, (laughs) these Canadian fires, it's been kind of iffy at times, even around here. But it looks like a pretty good outlook. And if we get good weather down there, you'll see just a sea of kids, I think, in Bayfront Park because we've added so much to that. It's the whippersnapper races, of course, is the headline um, sort of thing for them. They all want to get their race in and get their medal and their uh, goodie bag at the end and that sort of stuff. But we've added activities for um, to make it kind of a four-hour 
event where they can come over and register and then have all this other stuff to do. We call it the Young Athletes Foundation Festival for Kids. Of course, that's kind of our internal charity arm with the YAF. But there'll be a climbing wall for them over, all the sort of bounce house inflatable things. Minnesota Hockey will be there um, doing interactive things for the kids to try. Um, you know, light speed lift with their treadmill. There'll be animals. Um, the uh, Duluth Goat Yoga will be over there. It'll be more of like a petting zoo, I believe, but there'll be goats to interact with, <laughs> just all kinds of stuff. Now on the main stage, we've got uh, circus acts, like juggling, acrobatic awesome. things uh, from – um, Bob and Trish Evans, uh, Northwoods Circus, will be on the main stage this year. So it's going to be a ton to do. And, of course, the food tents open. The um, King of Creams ice cream truck will be there again. And it's got to have the kids' time, you know. It's, uh, it's, it's for them, too. And, of course, the spaghetti dinner is family-friendly as a lot of the other events. But this one's for them. And then the parents will, I'm assuming, move on and get their packets and start focusing on their events for the next day from there. But... Makes it fun for the whole family. Absolutely. The whole weekend is a ton of fun. I know we'll do our show after the broadcast coverage ends next Saturday, and then the minute this show is over, I'm going to come down and, and join the fun as well. And, of course, what helps all of it pull off, if you will, is the hard work by you and everybody else at Grandma's, but also the volunteers. I know you talked about all these meetings you've been attending, and you've had the honor, if you will, of getting to sit back and say, hey, everybody's kind of got this under control. Your volunteers do an amazing job of keeping things under control as well. Yeah, they're the ones who really make the event. And that's what we hear over and over. Um, you know, it's that world-class event with small-town charm. It's that small-town charm that they're bringing, um, making the race, giving it its character. You know, th- this is the smallest town by far with a race this big. I think you got to go through about top 40 marathons before you find another one that's not a major metro area with a couple exceptions in Big Sur and uh, St. George, which are unique for other reasons so these runners come here they're used to running big city you know downtown city blocks among buildings and things and um then they come here and they just have this incredible experience for these volunteers um they're just not used to it and that's why we have one of the highest retentions in the country for um out of all the marathons because people keep wanting to come back to this one specifically because of the experience those volunteers create for them it's really cool I love to hear that. Everything about Grandma's has always been really cool. This year will be no exception. It'll be as good, if not better, than all of the others. Shane Bauer, I will tell you this. I've never had a bad conversation with you, publicly or privately. I just wish we talked more often. we got to do this again. Thank you for your time today. Best of luck with everything next weekend, and I hope I see you once I make the pilgrimage down there. Yeah, well, let's do that. Let's uh, schedule a time where we can talk you know, uh, more often, and thanks to you guys. Thanks to... Uh, the station, and thanks to Hoops. They're a sponsor now this year. Really appreciate them. Love having them as part of our family, too. Anytime you want to chat, you let me know. Like I said, you might be on the verge of talking me back into that 5K. Uh, Have a great weekend. Everything will go great next weekend. Thank you again for the time. Yep, you guys do the same. Thanks. All right, that's Grandma's Marathon Executive Director Shane Bauer. It's a marathon, not a sprint next weekend. Baseball season is, too. Nick Nelson of Twins Daily is next. Stick around. We'll be right back. Back on the Northland Sports page as we continue with our musical nominees to replace the opening song of Good Times Roll. I don't think it's going to get replaced at all. Me either. But a listener said we should at least think about it. If anybody knows me at all, they'll know that that's one of my nominees. That's Seven by Prince. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook here with you. Dave, I told you we don't have to use that as an open. The show will turn six in November. Once it turns seven in November of 24, look out. That song might be on loop for that year. You might play the whole entire song. 
each and every week. Got it, got it. To say I'm a Prince fan is a little underrated. There's a song called Seven and Seven. That one's pretty fast. So That sounds like a Keith Millard drinking song from a Super Bowl party (laughs) I was at with him, but I digress. I want to talk about the Twins a little bit more. We finally won a game last night, breaking a five-game skid that lasted the majority of the week, but probably felt like more than a month. I want to talk to Twins Daily's Nick Nelson. He's back with us. He's been on the show a few times. Been hard to get him these weekends lately. He's He's busy. He's enjoying summer, but he found time today. Nick Nelson, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. I'm enjoying the summer by by getting away from from Twins games lately and uh, and going to other countries. <laughs> yes, it's been a it's been a sad state of affairs to have to do that. I mean, traveling is fun, and I follow you on social media, and it looks like you're having a good time. But we want to have a good time watching Twins baseball, and we just haven't lately. And it's a little bit of everything gone wrong. I mean, the bullpen has failed in big moments, but the pitchers have had to be perfect because the offense is beyond terrible. I've said it looks like this team would strike out in T-ball. Dave Cook, my co-host, asked a question in an earlier segment of what do we do about the alarming strikeout rate? What can be done? We've heard about, well, fire the hitting coach. Okay, but it comes down to the players. Do you see a solution? Or I said on Twitter earlier this week that every Twins fan feels like Henry Winkler in The Waterboy when he says, does anybody have any good ideas? What do you think? It's bizarre. Yeah, I mean, they clearly need a change in approach. I think there's been some some comments finally starting to trickle out a little bit where um, maybe some of this inside the clubhouse reporting that maybe the, the hitting coach, David Popkins, his instruction, the style that he's tried, the way he's preparing the hitters is not resonating or jiving with the hitters. Um, but, yeah, I don't know what to do really. I mean, you could make a change there. Uh, you have to be realistic about what's going to be available in terms of replacements at this point in the season and realistic about what a hitting coach is going to be able to do. I mean, a lot of the problem is these veteran players, Carlos Correa, um, Christian Vasquez, um, Donovan Solano. I mean, they're all striking out way beyond their career benchmarks at the same time. I don't really know what to make of it, to be honest, but you got to think at some point uh, they're going to be able to kind of collectively pull themselves out of this and get back to – what they've been for the majority of their careers. And Nick, it's really interesting. Uh, Aaron Gleeman earlier in the year on The Athletic had a thing about uh, when Korea re-signed, the first thing he did was call Pop and get back into it. And he gave uh, the hitting coach all kinds of credit for him wanting to sign back up with the Twins. And now to hear that, you know, that marriage might be coming to an end pretty fast. It's it's a little surprising. Yeah. And you hear Korea, I believe he called Popkins the best hitting coach he's ever had, which obviously effusive praise. Uh, especially for a guy in Popkins who is 33 years old. I think he's one of the youngest hitting coaches in the league. The Twins plucked him out of single A from the Dodgers system a year ago. Uh, You know, he doesn't have a lot of bona fides or experience, and I think that's kind of what's maybe working against him. There's just not – there's not the experience to fall back and to say, well, he's, he's been through this before. He's going to figure it out. And obviously you look at Correa's performance, which is by far the worst performance of his career. I mean, he just looks totally clueless at the plate. Uh, and, yeah, those compliments don't really, don't really ring uh, that effective anymore. We are chatting with Nick Nelson of Twins Daily. Nick, I want to talk about something I brought up in the first segment because I attribute this take to you, and you can correct me if it wasn't you, maybe it was somebody else with Twins Daily or maybe just the Twins Daily Twitter account. And having said all that, I basically have a love-hate relationship with social media. I spend way too much time on it. I read too much of it. I enjoy it because it's informative, but at the same time I see takes that I go, oh my gosh, I can't believe there's someone out there that believes in what they just typed. But it did connect you and I, which I'm grateful for. And I believe you had a take not too terribly long ago that said all of this instant gratification need for Twins fans and tearing them down on a night-to-night basis or propping them up on a night-to-night basis when things are going well stems from the shortened COVID season. 
Does that ring a bell as something you've sworn by? And do you think it's still true now that we're back to 162 that people are just putting too much emphasis on each and every game? I don't think I said that, but I will take credit for it because it sounds really smart. Um, <laughs> but I think I think there's probably some truth to that. I think the baseball season in general lends itself to the sort of overreaction. You know, it's a long season. You spend three hours watching a game. You invest your night in it. it you know, a rough ending is just going to obviously cause you to have a bit of strong emotional reaction since you were you're watching and you're invested. Um, and yeah, it's something that I kind of struggle with because. Obviously, it gets to be a lot, especially when the team is slumping right now. I mean, the, the rancor out there, the misery, uh, the hopelessness and pessimism, it's a lot to take, but um, it's better than apathy. That's what I always have to try to remind myself. And people are, are feeling invested again. They're feeling the passion again, and the Twins need to get, get themselves straightened out so they can take advantage of that before it turns into apathy because if this keeps going on much longer, I think we're headed that way. I think you're right, and what's added to the notion of suffering, at least, is the season that Luis Arise is having. Now, in my opinion, it shouldn't add to the suffering because I think we all knew Luis Arise was capable of this. I phrased a question to another guest we had earlier today, and I said, I'm not going to ask you if you miss Luis Arise because if you don't, you're not watching. I'm not going to ask you if you wish he was still playing here because if you don't, you're not watching. But I did want to ask if you should be upset with the Minnesota Twins for making the trade they did. I say no because the pitching has improved wildly, and even though Lopez, by numbers, hasn't been wonderful, I still think it's a big piece in what shapes the pecking order and how matchups are developed and how pitchers basically conduct themselves. I'm still not obsessed with this trade the way other people are, even if Luis Arise goes ahead and hits 420 all year. Yeah, I agree with you. I think finding a pitcher like Pablo Lopez, uh, locking him down at the rate they were able to. I mean, he hasn't pitched that great since the extension, but I don't think he's pitched bad. He's had some bad luck and given up some homers, but he's still racking up strikeouts. Looks really good. I just think those guys are so hard to find. And obviously, you know, Arias is a very unique player. You don't find uh, many like him as well. But the reactions right now are, are very much steeped in the moment. Uh, and, you know, obviously it's going to look really bad. He's red hot. He can do that. Uh, he's going to come back down to earth. Lopez, the Twins are very happy to have Lopez, especially with Maeda and Mally already going down. I mean, it's preventing someone from like Brent Hedrick being in the rotation. And I think the Twins are, at the end of the day, going to be very happy to have Lopez in that rotation, especially if they make it to the playoffs and can use him there. Nick, one of the questions that I that I face and, and try to respond with is, okay, so if, if Arise is here, where is he playing? Bad knees kind of keep him exactly. out of the infield. Uh, if he's a DH, that means Buxton's your center fielder, and it, it seems that the Twins don't have anything to do with that. Um, what would Arise? I mean, Arise would have to be your starting DH, right? Yeah, I mean, 100%. I was just having that conversation with someone uh, the other night. There's, unless they wanted to shift around all their other plans, you know, I don't think Buxton can play anything other than DH when he's healthy, quote-unquote, right now. They got Polanco at second. Uh, you know, they got Kirilov at first. They want Kirilov at first. Yeah, I mean, I think that was a big part of the reason they traded Arise was because they saw they had pieces in every other place. It was going to be kind of hard to get his bat into the lineup and find a position for him. And especially now, you know, we've got uh, Edward Julian on his way back up. He's going to be starting today uh, with Polanco going on the IL. I mean, that's a guy who is a pretty, not the same type of player, but the same kind of profile. So they just have a lot of guys who can who can replace, you know, not replace what Arias does, but fill in and, and make it so it's not such a huge hole. So, yeah, I just I, th- I think you're completely right. I don't know where Arise would even be playing in this lineup, which, of course, is ridiculous to say when it's such a horrible lineup. But Talking again with Nick Nelson of Twins Daily. Nick, I'm going to steal a question that my co-host asked of me earlier today because on paper, and I know that there are young potential greats with Royce Lewis and Alex Kirloff, but aside from them, on paper, four of the biggest names that were going to be fixtures in the Twins lineup this year were Buxton, Polanco, Correa, Gallo. 
three are hurt. One is really, really struggling. Dave Cook, my co-host, asked me, okay, which one of the guys hurt do you really, really need to see back? What's going to ignite this team? I didn't have an answer. I know at the peak of their game, it's Buxton, but we haven't seen the peak of that game consistently in a long time. Which one of those three, I guess, do you say, well, when he comes back, we get that much markedly better? That's a good question. I mean, I think uh, Polanco would be a good answer because I really think he's underrated in terms of the the impact that he's able to make. We've seen it a couple times where he comes off the IL and just immediately delivers big hits. Um, but I, I do I do think I'd go with Buxton just under the condition that maybe he's gives himself a little right, gets hot. I mean, he was obviously in a big slump before he went down, but when Buxton's hot, I mean, he carries the lineup. He turns he, he lifts the team in a way that very few others can. And uh, and yeah, I, I think that outside of Correa, getting Buxton back to being some form of himself uh, is really essential to this team getting back on track. Now again, the Minnesota Twins. In case you missed it, and by the tenor of this conversation, you probably have. They are a first place <laughs> team, albeit 500. And they play in the American League Central, which I've basically renamed the American League Junior Varsity because the division is so terrible compared to the East and West. It deserves a nickname as such. But again, we can't be entirely negative about this team. There are some good things going. I would say that Brock Stewart is 100% one of them. Uh, He's been a bullpen steal for this team, and the bullpen has been a little topsy-turvy. To that end, this is a little more negative. Is Caleb Thielbar the glue on this team? Because you're stuck again with him injured and one lefty in the bullpen that everybody says has great stuff in Giovanni Moran, but at the same time, we don't know where that stuff is going. So this makes matchup life out of the bullpen pretty difficult, but I want to talk about the positives of Stewart also. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Rocco plays matchups to that high of a degree, and he's got a few righties who he's confident can get lefties out. So the lefty-lefty thing is not necessarily such a huge deal, I don't think. But, you know, obviously, Thielbar has been one of their most effective, reliable relievers. Losing him for now a second time is... It hurts, uh, you know. Uh, they're going to need they're going to need Jax to kind of keep uh, the improved pitching he's been doing. They're going to need Stewart to keep doing, like you've mentioned, just looking incredible. What a find! Uh, Moran's got to throw strikes. Pagan's got to, you know, not avert, avert disaster. He's, he's and, the best and then low leverage guy on the planet. Just don't put him in anything that matters. <laughs> that, that he is. That he is. And then and then the big thing is Jorge Lopez. I mean, is he going to be able to figure this out? I mean, it seems like it's a a mental mechanics thing more than a physical thing in his case. Um, if he can get it straightened out, he's got great stuff. If he can't, then this bullpen, it's really hard to see it being a strength because that's just he's just a key cog. We're about a month away from the All-Star game, and when Dave and I were walking into the studio today, we were discussing how many All-Stars the Twins might have and who. And we debated Sonny Gray because the ERA is so low, but the last few starts, the pitch count has gotten in his way, and the innings have been down, and the walks have been up. I've been a bigger Joe Ryan fan than Sonny Gray. I think Dave's starting to morph that direction too. After the outing that Duran had last night, I thought – you know, if he can continue to have multiple innings be part of his resume as a possibility, he's a no-brainer to me. And so we kind of had good campaigns for each of those three, and, and Dave, as he's sitting back in his chair right now, kind of shut it down and said, they're not going to give the Twins three pitchers on the All-Star team. Can you even venture to guess who's going to play in the proverbial Midsummer Classic? I mean, those three would be the names that would come to mind for me. I obviously can't see a single hitter making, uh, making the team at this juncture. Um, you know, Ryan's got, he's got the wins, which is nice. I don't know if that weighs as heavily as it used to, but he's got the nice win loss record with aiding his case. Um, I think he's got a pretty good chance. I think Gray will get in as long as he keeps pitching pretty well. He's still what one of the top three ERAs in the majors. Um, and Duran, yeah, you, you might be right that maybe they won't give the twins three pitchers, but at the same time, it's been one of the best pitching staffs. And Duran is the kind of guy you like to have in the all-star game. I mean, he's one of the most spectacular players in the game. Uh, so I would probably say I would probably set the over under at two and a half, but those would be the top three names that I would have on my list. 
Now, I know that I'm considerably older than you, so I'm going to ask you a question that's going to come across maybe as a get-off-my-lawn take, but hear me out. It's somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but the more I say it, maybe it isn't. This offense has struggled, and that's being polite. It has been scuffling, and that's being polite. I texted a friend of mine last night during the game, and again, I was somewhat tongue-in-cheek, and then the more I read it, I said, maybe you aren't. When you're struggling to score this much, and with the rule changes, the bunt has made a mini-comeback at least. I said, depending upon where we are in the lineup, I would bunt over every leadoff man aboard that I could until this team proves that it can avoid the double play or not strike out at an alarming rate. I'm being facetious, but am I? Do the Twins need to bunt a little bit more just to manufacture a run at a time rather than wait for Michael A. Taylor or somebody else to hit a home run and then hope it's enough? I don't know about bunting. I don't know if they have like a lot of players in their lineup with the skill set to be great bunters. Like I'm not, I'm not going to have Joey Galloway down bunts, but... Um, I think there's maybe some validity to the point that they could stand to adjust their offensive approach and stop swinging for the fences at all times. Um, uh, someone on someone on Twins Daily had a great comment on one of my articles earlier this week where they said it seems like the Twins are playing home run derby while the other teams are playing baseball. I saw that, and that really yes. is what it seems like. They're just they're just swinging out of their shoes early in the count, falling behind, and then being blown away. And you watch a team like the Rays, and like that's how baseball is supposed to be played. They're putting it in play. They're putting pressure on the base paths. You know, they're not totally relying on home runs to score runs. The Twins are going to get better offensively, but unless they change this sort of stylistically, it's just really hard to see how they're ever going to be a consistent, reliable offense. You mentioned Twins Daily, and of course we are chatting with Nick Nelson of Twins Daily. I want to go that route because I pay attention to it a lot. Again, it's responsible for our friendship, and as a result, the multiple appearances you've made. Tell the listening audience who may not know what Twins Daily is, where to find it, all that good stuff, because I love it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, TwinsDaily.com. Uh, it's been around for over a decade now. It's a community-based site. Uh, I write there. We have a lot of other sort of established front-page writers, but we also encourage anyone who visits the site to uh, start a blog and start writing on the site. Um, the idea is if you start blogging and you're doing good stuff and get in an audience, we'll move you to the front page, and uh, you can start to you know have a little side hustle, make a little money writing about the Twins, uh, sharing your venting uh, in cases like this, and maybe celebrating when things get better. So. Yeah, if you're if you're into the twins, looking to sort of share your passion with like-minded folks, we would love to have you come by the site. And you know, Brian, my fascination with prospects in every sport, Sestos is as good a prospect writer in, in again in any sport that you'll ever read. Yes, thank you. That is that's definitely true. He is uh, he is in deep and always has been. All right, Nick, I'm going to Vikings press conference this. I'm going to say time for two more because I've got two questions real quick to spit at you. One is the low-hanging fruit that is the Max Kepler situation. I don't think you can find anybody that isn't Max Kepler or a relative of Max Kepler or a teammate of his that can justify him playing as often as he is or even being around. What is it going to take to get, we'll just say it, Matt Walner up here instead of Kepler? Is he going to have to get hurt to miss time? Because, you know, there's a lot of jokes between me and my friends that Kepler's either got incriminating information or incriminating photos of the powers that be in the front office that he's in the lineup that often. I'll start there, and then I've got one more question about the division. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I think it is kind of reaching the point where uh, a DFA could be on the table um, or some sort of move to just just cut the cord. Um, he, you know, he's he's a better player than he's looked lately. I don't think people need to judge him at his absolute lowest, but I also I'm not going to really defend him because he hasn't been good for three years. Uh, and I think there's a lot of things that are just irksome about him as a player and what he's bringing to the team. You know, I mean, it's, by all accounts, he just refuses to play center field, even though he seemingly could. Uh, that would help the team a lot. Um, you know, he made a really bad base running blunder the other night and got called out for it by his manager, which you never hear that from Rocco. Um, but then started so just, the next and, and, day, which irked me even more. 
Yeah, I'm, yeah, I mean, but but I do think at some point, you know, with Walner pressing and some other guys down there, uh, if they can get kind of reliable, confident that, that Larnick is going to stay healthy, um, it's just a matter of depth. You don't want to cut him and then sort of find yourself shorthanded in a couple weeks, and we know how that goes with this team. But to your point, yeah, if he's on the lineup, he's going to be playing every day, and it's just he's just been too much of a liability for a team that really can't afford them at this point. And then my last question again evolves in accordance with the division. I called it the American League Junior Varsity, and it's earned it. And I laughed at the beginning of the show today that the Twins lost five in a row. We judge it from week to week. How did they do on this show since we've been on last? So I go Saturday 10 a.m. to Saturday 10 a.m. The Twins won all of one game. But the funny part is, in that week's time, with that big of a skid, their lead in the division, I think, shrunk by all of two games. Now, everything tightened up beneath them, but in terms of lead over the runner-up, it tightened by all of two games. But my question is, with everything tightening beneath them, who do you fear the most? Because Cleveland is coming back to what we thought they'd be. Detroit, I'll say the same thing. They're going down to what we thought they'd be. And then the White Sox on paper look the best of the bunch. They're the most surging right now. Who's the one to really fear, even though fear might be the wrong term? Yeah, I think I'm still putting Cleveland uh, at the top of the top of the list there. You know, the White Sox are capable, but I just it seems like every time they start to mount any kind of momentum, they implode on themselves. Um, you know, Cleveland's, you just can't, you can't discount Cleveland's history and their pitching. Uh, they're not going to hit much, but you know, they're sort of in the same vein as the twins in that regard. And I, I could see those teams sort of running out the, running out the string in a very similar fashion here down the stretch, uh, just trying to score enough runs to win and stay ahead of the other. Nick Nelson of twins daily. You are the best man. I'm just going to keep asking you and I hope you continue to be able to do this because each time the conversation is great. One more time, folks that want to visit twins daily, how do they do it? TwinsDaily.com or TwinsDaily on all your favorite social media platforms. Excellent. I'm going to tell you to enjoy Twins baseball because I hope we all can for at least the next week and beyond. Have a good one, my friend. Yeah, let's get a winning streak going. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Nick Nelson of Twins Daily shedding some light on the Twins. Hey, we've won one in a row. Bumping out with another option to open the show with. Thunderstruck, looking at the skies outside. We might be soon, too. Northland Sports page closes out. We're going to draw some lines, courtesy of the OG, a role architecture studio. Stick around. We'll be right back. That is our last nominee as a potential new opening song, The Beautiful People. That could apply to one of us, and it isn't me. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook. We are about to close the show with Drawing Lines, that courtesy of our original sponsor, the OG is a role architecture studio. Dave Cook, you've got quite a list, and then I've got the newest as well. It's a wonderful list, Brian. It's Kohler, Hyundai and Kohler Toyota, Famous Dave's, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Avenue 45, Sammy's Pizza, Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Kraus Heating and Cooling, your carrier HVAC authorized dealer in our region, Justin May at Messina & Associates, OER Holding Hoops Brewing, Arola Architecture Studio in the Blackwoods Group, London Road, Proctor, Two Harbors, Blackwater, and Tavern on the Hill, where Dana and I went and had dinner last night. We ordered the bacon cheeseburger, gluten-free. We got the pub sauce. Ooh, Dana, yeah. got the, Dana got the mushroom hamburger with the cheese on it. It was, And we and we went and got it, brought it home, right? Because nice. Dana's watching her brother's dogs again. Okay. Um, but amazing, not expensive at all. Like, I mean, obviously you're paying for it, but it's not a, it's not a huge expense. Um that service is great. The people are great. It was a good time. Tough to beat Tavern ever, especially on the weekends. If you're listening right now and thought, hey, Tavern sounds good. There's a new option at Tavern from 10 a.m. to 2 on the weekends. Brunch is available. I've had the sunny side skillet already. It is delicious. It is cumbersome as well. So go there hungry. And then mimosas with friends is something that I'll continue to sign up for in terms of an idea. I have yet to find enough friends to be able to do it yet. 
But we have friends at Comfort Systems as well, and they are our newest sponsor. Their debut weekend is this weekend, and they're running a little special promotion in conjunction with that. Just sign up for a service appointment online at ComfortSystemsDuluth.com. Mention you heard it on the Northland Sports page and receive $20 off the cost of set appointment. We've got about four minutes to go. Okay, Brian. So, you know, Aaron bought our house when we, when we moved, right? And the first conversation after we walked out of closing, the first conversation Dana had with Aaron, okay, now join Comfort Systems. Right. Because there's just some things you don't want to have to worry about, and Comfort System takes care of a lot of those things. Absolutely. They keep the world stress-free. I can't say sports does that for us, but there are some ah. things that I do enjoy more than others. Number one, probably with a bullet, and Justin May likes to tell us about this because I think it's the reason why he joined our show. It's our passion for high school and college sports. Big-time shout-out to Proctor Softball for their consolation championship finish at the state tournament. Superior Softball, go ahead and, what did they say in Friday Night Lights? You'd be perfect. If they get one more win tonight, that's the perfect season. That's a state title. Yeah, let's cross our fingers for that because yeah. those perfect seasons, they don't happen very often. So, ladies, go have yourself a day. Absolutely. Esco Baseball, you're headed to the state tournament. Grand Rapids Baseball, I know you're not in the listening area, but my goodness, the way you made it there, a walk-off grand slam against the Hermantown Hawks, that's one way to get to the state tournament. Try to match that emotion when you get there. How about Little Falls is going? The Alma, the Alma Mater is going you, yes. down 8-1 to one in the fourth, and the Gwast kids come through. Uh, the Gloss kids are very, very close with my brother-in-law, so I'm sure there was a little bit of extra partying going on. So again, we are touching on all of this as part of drawing lines from Roll Architecture Studio. Once again, with all due respect to Ryan, he draws much better lines than we do. We just yeah, try to scribble over everything before we get out the door here today because, again, it's a fun time in sports. It's busier than you think. You think of summer's coming and that basically just leaves baseball. That's not true, although there's plenty of that as well. Duluth Huskies are in action. Duluth FC on the soccer side. Yeah. Oh, they've been dynamite. They play again tonight as well. Yeah, you know, that's that's a sport that that particular team goes uncovered, right? I mean, I don't mean never covered. I mean undercovered uh, because they have been hot, you know, and it's it's fun to go watch a winning, pro, uh, winning uh, program. Absolutely. And a winning program in your heart has certainly been St. Scholastica. Speaking of soccer, going to be a little different look. Yeah, we just got the pictures, Brian. The new turf is going in as we speak. They're just cutting the ground with it today. And, of course, it is baseball season. The Twins will get underway about 2 o'clock today, trying to build on a winning streak, try to get two in a row, get over 500 again. I joked with you during the Tampa series. I said, you know, if this continues, they might be under 500 by the time we take to the air again. And then I said, well, maybe not, because it would take one win to avoid that. They said, hold my beer, I'll get you that one win. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> they gave it to you at the last second. Yes, they did. But, again, you know, we're almost out of time and and fans – uh, you're a fan of local stuff. You're um, a fan of baseball, fan of softball. Everybody needs to be a superior senior fan today. Go get that undefeated season. No doubt about it. I believe it's streamed on iFan. They've been carrying their playoff run rather well. I've checked in just about every game. I call that team Emma Ray and Company, but you shouldn't because Company is doing a heck of a job yes, as a supporting cast. That also rings true of the Denver Nuggets. We talked about that real quick. Nuggets or Heat, and how many games are we going to go? It's 3-1 already. Yeah, let's just have the Wrap Nuggets it up. close yeah. this out and, and call her a day, and then Jimmy can complain about his teammates, and, we'll, and then everything is right in the world. Vegas, Florida, we talked about that. Wrap it up, too, or is Florida going to make this into a series? We talked about it briefly. What do you really think? Give me a team and number of games. I think Vegas wins because all i got to do is you know kind of show up, but uh, my heart says Florida in seven because – they got, they got big game guys, and if Bob can get hot again, that's a tough out. I agree with you. I'll tell you this. I'll take Northland Sports Page in two hours every week. Programming note, 1030 next week, 1030 to 1230 as we make way for the Big Grandma's Marathon broadcast. That'll preempt our first half hour. 
but in a way it'll just push it back because we're still going to go two hours. It was a fun two hours again this weekend. Have a great weekend, Northland. We'll see you next Saturday.